I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This week, I'm going to deliver the episode that I promised, the one on sci-fi. Um, I'm going to deliver that later this week, on uh, the regularly scheduled drop day Thursday, but today I wanted to just... Um, come to you with a little mini episode because I just finished watching Surviving R. Kelly Um, and I'm feeling a number of different things but um, if you've listened to previous episodes of mine I've mentioned my stories about R. Kelly I would say and they're not personal to me um, and they're vaguely personal to the person who told them to me. Um, but nevertheless, I have feelings about all of this. I have a connection of some sort to some aspect of this. And I just wanted to put it out there. I don't know. In the hopes of powering someone to turn around and expose an R. Kelly in their life. I don't know. Anyway, um... It's not going to be a regular episode. Like I said, it's going to be many, but I just want to put this out there and just get it off my chest. All right. Okay. Before I begin, I want to give a disclaimer. I am... Not necessarily going to talk about details um, of any graphic nature, but I am going to talk about um, abuse, um, sexual abuse, um, the, the concept, talk around it, talk about it. Um, again, not in graphic detail, but if this subject matter is not something you want to listen to right now, maybe don't um, listen to this mini episode, okay? Okay. So, um, I've shared, um, I've shared before that I went to Iowa State University. And if I haven't, I'm, I'm telling you now, I went to, I graduated from Iowa State University. Um, and though I wasn't from, I'm not from Iowa, I'm from uh, Missouri. I went to Iowa because I didn't want to go to, I went to Iowa State um, because I didn't want to go to the school, the state schools, um, basically because I didn't want to run into anybody that I graduated with, anybody that I went to school with, anybody that I was on the track team or any, uh, you know, if I saw them in high school, I did not want to see them in college. So I also just wanted to get away from the house. Um, I just didn't want to go in state. So. But I didn't want to be super far away from the house, so I opted to go to Iowa State, which was about three hours from, but I keep calling it the house. But anyway, I'm literally talking about my home in Missouri. Anyhow, so I went to Iowa State, which is roughly three hours from the house. Anyhow, so at Iowa State, as you can imagine, and I've shared before, it was a predominantly white, um, it was a historically uh, white institution, a predominantly white institution. Um, and so um, I came in the summer before my freshman year. I was a part of an enrichment program, basically. Um, it was the George Washington Carver program. And Google George Washington Carver, you know who he was, inventor of all the different uses of the peanut and so many more things. Anyway, George Washington Carver. 
Um, so we, I was a part of that program and basically it was a bunch of brown kids. So um, Asian heritage, native, African-American or black American, um, you know, Latino um, or Latinx, you name it, like all brown kids, basically. Um, just to give folks, um, I don't, I don't really know, like looking back on it, I don't know if it was more so of a head start or just actually it looked, it feels like it was a head start and making sure that we would matriculate through the school and, and subsequently graduate. And I don't remember, really remember our graduation rates, but I remember not, it wasn't a hundred percent of us that graduated. Certainly many of us, um, who started that freshman year or that summer before our freshman year, um, you know, they either transferred or a few dropped out, but the majority of the students ended up graduating. Um, and I think that us taking those classes and just bonding together. And in fact, for the four years that we were there, we stayed together. I think that helped anyway. So the Carver program brought me there, but the Carver program didn't necessarily introduce me to one of my friends. I cannot even remember how I met her, except that uh, there were a lot of people in the Carver program from the Chicago area. And in hanging out with them, I ended up meeting my college friend um, who I roomed with, or maybe we didn't room together, but we were always together. And anyway, and she was from Chicago. And so we were thick as thieves what freshman year to you know we graduation and you know we did everything together when we weren't in class together or if we weren't in class together um we would eat lunch together we would try to plan our lunches together and our breakfast together um you know we were doing that meal plan thing we both lived on um campus for a while and even when she didn't live on campus and I still did we would still coordinate our schedules together so anyway when we took breaks like for um semester breaks or whatever you know she would come to my home and I would go to hers in Chicago and so, you know, we were thick and thick as thieves and, you know, we, of course we shared music tastes, you know, we, at one point we wanted to be a part of the same sorority together and we, uh, in college and we went, you know, about preparing ourselves to do that. Um, and anyhow, I don't even know how this came apart, but I, I guess, I'm dating myself, but when we were in college, I can't call what year it was, but I remember whenever the sex tapes came out. And I think, I think looking back on that, that must've been 2008, 2008 or so like, um, the, the sex tapes with R Kelly, um, when that boomed onto the scene and there was this, there was this program that I thought was, it was like a website that I thought was, um, specific to Iowa state. Do you know what I mean? Like there was a time where I thought Facebook was specific to, to Iowa State students. And then I realized, oh, of course, Facebook was everywhere on every college campus. And then they opened it up to the world. But um, I thought I, there was this website called Napster and you would download a bunch of videos. But I think if I'm not mistaken, you could download uh so what I meant to say was you could download a bunch of music, but you could also download movies. It was like a bootleg thing. I'm pretty sure it was Napster. Anyhow, um, 
I believe that's how we saw the infamous video. And, you know, as I've mentioned before, the black, the black students at Iowa State, for the most part, we were pretty heavy together. So not only was I bestie, I had my bestie, but, you know, among the black folks, especially the black folks from Chicago, um, you know, we were all talking about this sex tape. So we all watch it. You know, I'm I'm in, um, I can't remember if it was my dorm room or if it was my bestie's dorm room. Anyway, we were watching it and we were both like, that's a little girl. And by little girl, we were like, that's a teenager and not 17, 18. We're talking about 13, 14 at best. 14 is, is being generous. Um, who was engaged in a sexual act with R. Kelly and a lot being allowed to just, you know, the whole thing um just engaged in a sexual act with r kelly and we knew it was r kelly because it was it looked like r kelly it looked like his chest um as compared to all the times he would take his shirt off or open up his shirt um when he was on stage um certainly posters my my bestie at the time she was a huge r kelly fan so she she, there was no doubt in her mind that it was r kelly and me you know only seeing R. Kelly and like passing and online and stuff like his pictures and things I thought it was R. Kelly too um and so anyway we were just like oh that's messed up but anyway so we get to talking you know as you do you start talking you know about what's going on the situation itself and what was clear is two things were going on at first my friend flatly denied that it was him and there was some rumor that he had a twin or something like that. And that was some of the things that the, some of the Chicago kids were talking about. Um, that, oh, no, that they say that that wasn't R. Kelly. R. Kelly said that that was his twin. R. Kelly ain't got no twin brother. Or if he does have a twin brother, that wasn't him. You know what I mean? So, so but anyway, so that was circulating around. So there was that. Then there was this line of thought that, yeah, it was him. But, you know, they're a runner for the folk. You know, all these little girls, including the girl in the video, she's a runner for the folk anyway. Um, and for you all that do not know Chicago slang or are familiar with Chicago slang, um, bust down, runner for the folk, track star. These are all pejorative terms that people use to talk about a woman who has multiple sexual partners. Um And so in this context, what they were saying is this 14 year old girl who had agency over her own body and her was able to make her own choices, decided that she wanted to have sex with a famous star. And in that moment, everyone who called her that and even me for repeating it, we were doing what people have done for centuries, which is blame a young girl for the actions or being complicit in the actions of uh, uh, an adult male um, engaged in something he knows is wrong um, statutory against the law and it's just gross but um, yeah so it, it went from oh that's not him in this tape anyway to yeah that's him but she knew what she was doing she's a runner for the folk she wanted this anyway and you know, as I was watching this episode or the, the this five part series and listening to the stories of the women who got away from him and then listening to the parents and the loved ones of folks 
of young women who are still with him. My heart began to break and bleed because interspersed in between their stories, you had, you know, the founder of the Me Too movement, Toronto Burke. Um, you had Mickey Kendall, who's a Chicago native, who's a feminist. And, you know, she's very, she's been very outspoken. Um, and then I cannot remember the name of this woman, the woman, but the creator of Mute R. Kelly. Um, she was on there too, in addition to, um, R. Kelly's ex-wife and it was just a lot and kudos to the creator of the show kudos to everyone who uh, who appeared and shared their story story of their loved one it broke my heart because I'm sitting here thinking you know we're kids sitting in a dorm room looking first off looking at essentially child pornography we're looking at child pornography Number one, and thinking nothing of it. Number two, we were looking at it and saying, ooh, not, ooh, that's gross, R. Kelly. You are a monster. What are you doing? You are a pedophile. But we are judging the young girl who we know is a young girl in the, vi- in the video and saying, well, you know, and again, we're, how old are we? How old were we? We were 21, 22 something like that in 2008 I can't remember or not 2008 but um no it wasn't 2008 it must have been 2004 it came out in 2004 my bad I'm sorry I'm this is this is you're, you're getting something raw I didn't write any notes for this um anyway so it must have been 2004 whenever the the R. Kelly trials were happening when the the, the tape it's not the trials but the tape surfaced um, I'm getting my timeline confused, but it was definitely my sophomore year. So it had to have been 2003, 2004. And we were talking about it. Maybe it was even my junior year, 2005. Anyhow, um, but we were sitting in the dorm room, number one, prejudging these young girls. Number two, not being disgusted that it was R. Kelly being with these young girls. And number three, we didn't change any of our consuming habits as it related to his music and in fact we were hyper consumers of, of his um, trapped in the closet and the five-part miniseries reminded me how big the trapped in the closet um uh series was that he dropped and i can remember that we were a part of the reason why it was so um that people bought the album um and people bought into it because we ate that up we ate it up and now I'm looking back and I'm, I have some guilt because I'm just like we were a part of the problem and in fact my friend you know I felt a little bit of trepidation about it but my friend was like well it's whatever uh I grew up on R. Kelly that's that's it I grew up on R. Kelly Mm-mm. that's it that's it and um you know and we again we had gone to Chicago we had gone I she lived she was from Chicago uh 79th and Dante I think Sony Allen, something like that. Anyway, so she lived over there. She wasn't quite in the wild hundreds, but she lived over there. Anyway, she knew where Kenwood High School was. Everybody knew where Kenwood High School was. And according, excuse me, according to her, everybody knew that R. Kelly hung around the high school. Um, and again, R. Kelly was well in his 30s, still hanging around the high school, still, you know, being spotted in and around schools picking up young girls and 
And so I'm listening to this and I'm mesmerized by these stories and I, I feel a way, but not, I, I don't feel convicted enough to say, listen, this isn't right. Yo, this isn't right. Let's not listen to his music anymore. Let's, you know, take a step back. I didn't, I, I didn't feel convicted in that way. And I blame, I'm just frustrated because I, you know, this documentary just got me a little bit frustrated in myself. And I know that's not necessarily fair, I was young myself, around the same age as a lot of these um, women, according to the documentary, who were being brainwashed um, and sucked into this this sex cult that he has. Um, But I just feel bad because the way we talked about the situation is why so many young girls, so many parents felt like it was okay because you know these folks were complicit and I'm going to approach this differently or the people in my circle would approach this differently you know you would only have to do what you wanted you would only be obligated to do what you wanted to be obligated to do and nothing more the minute you didn't want to do anything you had the agency to walk away and so if these girls were there they had the agency to walk away and you know the documentary did a really good job of talking about you know what is it the great balls of fire dude larry jerry lee lewis who married his 13 year old cousin um elvis presley back in the day she uh, you know jerry lee lewis married his 13 year old cousin which was gross but you know he got ostracized in the in the community or in the music business for doing that but no charges were brought up against him it's freaking gross and then you had um elvis presley who everybody wants to fawn over freaking elvis elvis presley and his relationship with priscilla but priscilla was what 14 dude was 25 when he married her so it's like and then not to mention the countless rock stars uh was ted nugent married his uh adopted uh, a 18 year old or was she 17 year old for the purpose of having sex with her he adopted her so that he could take the parental control away from her parents so that he could use her sexually have to have a sexual relationship with her that's disgusting and there is a history of powerful people using their privilege powerful men in this case using their privilege against and their power and their wealth against um, poor people or people who they can feel like they can take advantage of. And it tends to be young girls. And in this case, this prolific serial predator has taken advantage of young black and brown girls, just brown girls, period, black and brown and been allowed to. And, you know, there's a clip in, in episode five, I think of the series that um, Tom Joyner, after having been interviewed or having an interview on on his radio show with Serana Burke, she asked him to stop playing R. Kelly music. Sometime last year, he asked her, I think. And he said, yeah, you got that. I'm not going to play his music anymore. And then um, you hear from from Tom, he's interviewed in in the documentary itself. And he was just like, I don't understand why there haven't been any indictments or why the the criminal justice system has not brought him to justice. And I'm like, well, that is a wonderful question. Why did it take Tarana Burke calling in, um, in 2018, uh, for you to stop playing his music when these allegations had number one, it's not even allegations. He was brought up on criminal charges, um, back in what, 2004, 2005, um, 
regardless of whether or not he was acquitted, you were part of the music industry, uh, Tom Joyner. Um, you know the, the, the rumors just as much as we do. Um, that you knew them better than I did as a college kid back in 2004, 2003. You knew them then. You knew them better than I did. Um, it didn't take a super sleuth. It took me knowing some people from Chicago who were in and around Kid One High School. Um, just shoot, just diehard, uh, lifelong um, Chicago, Chicago residents knew about R. Kelly. High school students knew about it. You mean to tell me you didn't know about it? Come on. Like, what do you mean? It, in order for the criminal justice system to work, it also it requires that we do our due diligence to turn folks in, to hold people accountable and make our elected officials and make our police departments hold these people accountable. And at the end of the, 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 the series, you know, Charlemagne the God, who has issues of his own. Um, yeah, I know he tried to disclose his, uh, his sexual allegation claim of his own um, in his novel in his book but like you know there's still things swirling around him but even he was like yeah why you know y'all don't care about if if you want to get away with um killing a if you want to get away with murder kill a black uh kill a rapper and he's like if you want to get away with um abusing women do it to a black woman and that stings a lot especially coming from him who again who has allegations against him but nevertheless, he's right. You know, he's absolutely right. Given the history that we have, not just with R. Kelly, because R. Kelly is prolific and has damaged several lives, hundreds of uh, probably hundreds of lives. Right. And is still damaging lives today. Um, but let's be clear. Look at the conviction rate. Look at the attention that comes um, to cases where there are missing black girls missing trans girl black trans girls missing or or just victimized black women look how we're portrayed in movies look how we're portrayed in in videos like we're all complicit in a way and i just you know they had women they interviewed women in the in the in the um in the series they were outside of some of his concerts and they interviewed a couple of people and you know some of the black men were like you know there's two sides to every story and I'm like you can can it with that but then you know and that's a typical response but then you hear the women and they're like on the one hand there was one woman that was like I'm here for his music I'm a fan of his music and that's all I'm here for and then there was a woman is like you know uh, he is a human just like everybody else and they just trying to bring him down and I'm like this isn't in 2004 This is, this was, these were interviews taken outside of his concerts in 2018. I'm sure 2017 too, but like 2018. Do you know what I mean? So like this viewpoint still persists, even though there's this attention to mute him, even though we all know that he's a predator and has been saying as much in his music. um, There's this still this need to protect him in the black community. And this is part of a larger problem. We've got predators in the black community that we are protecting in our families, in our friend groups, in our church, in our faith organization. Because I don't want to just say act as if all of us are Christian in our faith organizations, in our activist spaces. We are protecting predators because they're black. And we need to stop. Because. We, we're only damaging the lives 
of young black girls who go up and maybe they don't feel like they need to protect another black girl. When are we going to stop this? We keep pointing to other people and certainly other people do victimize us. But we need to take a stand. And again, I'm speaking out of frustration for my 21, 22 year old self who was old enough to know better, but didn't. I'm just frustrated that I didn't, it just didn't occur to me that he was a predator. I just thought, I don't know what I thought, but it didn't occur to me that he was a predator. Now I know he's a predator. And I hope more 20-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 14-year-olds, I just, ugh. I just feel a way. I want him off the streets, obviously. I want him not making music anymore. I don't want his estate to make any money. And it, and it disheartened me to learn that, you know, his after the, the fifth episode aired, his streaming sales went up. Streaming numbers went through the roof. But then I should have expected that because that's what tends to happen when you bring attention to artists. I don't know. I'm just feeling a lot of different things. But if you have not watched this documentary, if you feel up to it, watch it. It's important to hear from these women. It's important. Sparkle, the art, the artist. You remember Sparkle? I wondered, you know, when we were watching that tape um, back in the dorm room, it also floated around. Again, I know it wasn't a secret at this point because she was a part of the... um, she was a part of the case, I guess. She was called as a witness or something like that. Um, that it was Sparkle's niece who was on the um, tape. And they don't name Sparkle's niece in this tape, but you, it's clear. She says it's her niece. They bring on her uh, Sparkle's niece's friend who says it was her friend. Like, excuse me, there's even a picture of Sparkle's niece, but her face is blurred out. And the friend whose face isn't blurred out with R. Kelly. R. Kelly hung around her freaking basketball games. She was freaking 13. My goodness. Anyway, I just feel a lot of things because we in the black community, I think, I don't know, out of a sense of sisterhood, brotherhood, family, we protect people who we who should not be protected. And then we don't protect people who should be protected. And we've got to change that. We have got to change that. Black women and girls deserve to be protected just like black boys and black men the same protection we gotta stop that <sighs> alright so I hope oof, I hope something comes of this I hope some some negative action some negative criminal action comes against this and it sticks uh, not, not this show but uh, R. Kelly itself and it sticks and he goes to prison cause he's a predator alright I feel more things, but I'm gonna just cut it there. Um, yeah, I like I said, I, I will deliver my regularly scheduled episode, but I just really needed to get this off my chest. Um, watch the documentary; it's important, and it's on Lifetime too, which is really important because I think that was the right venue. I think that was the right the right channel to come on. Um, and I just hope it brings more awareness and I hope it brings action. Whew. All right. All right. So, um, yeah, be sure to uh, 
I can't even remember the, the regular things that I do. Just like the show if you like it on your favorite places that you listen to the show. Um, consider donating. Um, anything you donate, donate, even 99 cents, will be a helpful contribution. I really like making these shows. I really like, you know, the creative energy that comes behind it. I want to get better. Um, I want to be able to have the time and energy and the and the help to do the research to make even better shows. And hopefully in this new year, I can do that. And I can do that with your help. Okay. Whew. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Take care of yourselves and the black women in your lives. And girls, the black girls in your lives. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.